0: Hi, this is Erie Chapman. This series is really about culture change because the main thing leaders have to do is impact the culture in their organizations. Why? Because culture determines behavior and leaders determine culture. The biggest single impact on employee performance and satisfaction is not pay. It's the leader, how they feel about the leader. It's leadership, in this case, the leadership of John Kennedy, that helped launch the vision and the energy to get a rocket in space to go all the way to the moon. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? And one we intend to win, and the others too. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. All three engines up and burning. 2, 1, 0, and lift off. Well, there it is the sound of a rocket taking off, the launch. And today that means another edition of our podcast, Rocket Science for Leaders. I'm Erie Chapman. So culture change, just like physics, is about energy. It's about moving energy. That is what good leaders do, whether they want to or not. Leaders immediately impact energy by the way they move, the way they act, and the visions they set, and whether anybody even understands their vision. Did you notice when you heard John F. Kennedy, President of the United States, when he made his announcement in 1962, did you hear the energy in his voice? the commitment and the confidence and the content. He didn't say we're just going to shoot a satellite up into the air because we want to get a satellite up in the air. He said, we're going to fly to the moon. Now, back in 1969, since I lived through that period, that sounded exciting. And a key thing with a leader setting vision is to make it clear and simple. We're going to the moon. Kennedy himself And other scientists probably could not foresee that the moon would actually be perhaps less important than the idea that we could launch satellites into space. Once we broke that gravity and got into a new orbit, you hear what I mean there? We changed our pattern. We went from the ease of the world spinning around the sun, moved out of that orbit to a new orbit where we could shoot satellites through those satellites. We have much better, more accurate indications of weather, of navigation, which is much more accurate because of satellite technology, some telephone use, and other areas we don't need to go into other than to know that those satellites are so important that we keep sending them up in the air at great cost. That's the power of breaking a pattern through a combination of learning the physics of rocket science and understanding the power of a leader to mobilize through language, the energy of people, people power, rocket power. A pattern was broken. We are asking you to think about how to break a pattern. Now, one of the ways we do that is through storytelling. And I'm going to tell you a story that it's one of the funniest ones I've ever heard. And it happened very early in my career. I came over from practicing law and actually being a federal prosecutor. And I came into the hospital world not really knowing how it operated, because the CEO there trusted me. But the story goes like this. I started out actually as a vice president. I'm running departments. And the other thing I did was to help the head of the hospital, a wonderful guy named Bruce Trump, to run board meetings. Well, I'd never run a board meeting before. So he asked me just to kind of sit outside the board room each day for meetings, help him with the agenda. And I did that. I sat outside the board room. And here's what happened the first meeting. Now, here's a setup you need to know to appreciate this story. The boardroom was right off of the cafeteria. I'm sitting outside the boardroom, and I hear this clink, clink, clang, clang, clang. In addition to the clinking of glasses, I heard employees in the cafeteria laughing. What was that clinking? I turn around, and there's a drink cart with bottles of, you know, scotch and vodka and, you know, whiskey, this and that. And it's rolling right through the middle of the cafeteria. And the employees, instead of being horrified, some of them may have been, are used to this routine because it happened every board meeting. Here comes the drink cart rolled through the cafeteria, and they're kind of laughing. I want to point out this was 1975, a little bit after the Mad Men generation. Drinking at lunch among executives was pretty common back then, but I didn't think it was too common in a hospital. It turned out it was. The CEO had a bar in his office. It was just a different culture than most organizations would see today. So there's the drink cart, and there's the laughing employees. And after a couple meetings, uh, again, I've just been there a short time, the CEO, my boss who I report to, said, well, Chip, that's my nickname, Chip, what would you think about the board sessions? What's your sense? And I said, well, actually, Bruce, I'm sitting outside. He said, yeah, but have you got any ideas? I said, well, just one suggestion. Boss, I mean, I... He was a boss of the old-time variety, came out of a glass company. And I said, Bruce, you know that drink cart? He said, you don't like the drink cart? That was his kind of voice. You don't like the drink cart? I said, well, no, I mean, I'm not saying that. You see, you hear my voice. I'm already a little bit intimidated. And I said, it's that all the employees are laughing about it. And I wonder if there's another way to get that drink cart into the boardroom. He said, oh, you don't like the drink cart. I said, well, once again, I just wonder if there's another way to bring it in. He said, let me think about that. A month later, here comes another board meeting. I'm sitting outside the boardroom, and I hear the employees laughing even louder. Now, these meetings were held around noon. So here's the noon lunch crowd, and I hear that clinking again. But the employees are laughing much louder. I turn around to see what they're laughing at. And there's the drink cart covered up with a sheet. And there's the CEO with a big smile on his face. He thought that was pretty funny, and I did too. I laughed along with him. There was something else I was thinking. What are our employees thinking? Their board members are in there getting blasted, which was actually the case with some of them. The meetings would run on until 3 o'clock, and I'd go in to clean up, and there'd still be a couple of board members sitting there drinking away, singing old fraternity songs. I mean, it was not good for the culture. You remember our topic? It's culture. So part of the way leaders lead is by example. When I became CEO, only a year and a half later, at the age of, I think I just turned 33, I eliminated that custom right away. And we built a number of new things into the culture of that hospital, Riverside Hospital in Toledo, that changed the way that organization ran. Our patient satisfaction went from kind of okay into the 90s, that happened at all three hospitals I ran. We hit records for peak patient satisfaction, employee energy, clinical performance, and budget performance. Here's the way people learn. We all learn by listening, reading, doing, and teaching. We also learn by example, by the presence of the people around us. Let's just talk about that part right now. According to the best studies, We only remember about 10% of what we hear. Boy, that's tough because you're listening now, I hope, and you're only going to remember about 10%. And by the way, inside that, the thing you're probably going to remember is that story I just told. You might remember the rocket sound, you might remember the rocket idea, but the power of stories. And I tried to tell that one carefully, which means I tried to put some details into it. I tried to hold the punchline so you wouldn't be able to guess it. Like I, in that situation, was not able to guess. He was going to pull the joke of just covering it up. And now comes the second way we learn. If we remember from hearing, we remember because of storytelling. Telling stories is huge. It's gigantic. It's the way one of the ways leaders move cultures. It's through the stories. Think of the stories Jesus told. Think of the parables. I'll bet you know whether you're Christian or you grew up in a different tradition, you probably know the story of the Good Samaritan, or at least the idea. That story was first told by Jesus to the lawyer that asked him how to get into heaven. Guess what? He taught that story 2,000-plus years ago, the power of stories. Now, the second way we learn is by reading. So we remember 10% of what we hear. We remember 20% of what we read. We remember 70% of what we do, and we remember 90% of what we teach, which means not only that leaders have to go out and teach, it also means leaders have to let other people teach them. That gives me an opportunity to introduce a caregiver to you. She's one of my all-time favorites. She was an intensive care nurse at Baptist Hospital in Nashville. She's now retired. I interviewed her about 15 years ago. Listen to the way she commits in response to my question to her, how do you give loving care? And she said something off camera that you won't hear. She said, well, you gotta think of it from the patient's point of view. So here's the wonderful Deidre Hall, RN.
1: The hardest times that I, that I have in, at, at this job is uh, seeing patients that I know that got up this morning just like I did. Took a bath, brushed the teeth, put the clothes on and everything was fine when they left home. And somewhere in the process during the day before they could even get home, or they, most of the time they don't get back home. They find some kind of dreadful news of some kind of illness that they may have or some automobile accident that they've been in or something which has landed them in our care here at Baptist.
0: Did you hear the concern, the compassion, as well as the competence in Deidre's voice? She told a great story as a way of explaining to me, of teaching me, and hopefully all of you, what it means to be a committed nurse. Her energy, I can tell you, flows from her dedication to her calling. She doesn't see her work as a job. She sees her calling as helping people as a nurse, helping people whose lives have suddenly been shattered. That's why they're in her area, the neurointensive care unit. People typically with brain or spinal cord injuries. People with giant life-changing events that may have occurred suddenly. And boy, are they lucky when they get Deidre. So the most important thing for us to understand is this. It's your role as a leader in culture change. And you may be wondering, well, how do I do that? I'm gonna give you some practices to follow today in a pattern that we call idea, action, and reflection. So I'm going to offer an idea. You go out and try it, and then you reflect on it. Now, if you try it and you don't reflect, you may not have learned. So recall that pattern where it's 10% that we recall. That means, by the way, when you're talking to people, no wonder we have challenges around professional communication with patients. We explained it, and then we find out they didn't get it. And we ask them to fill out the form on communication, and they give a low score, perhaps, because they didn't understand what we thought. We said clearly, we only remember 10% of what we hear. Now we hand them an instruction sheet. We've kicked the percentage up to 20%. Still, do they understand the directions? If we ask them to kind of repeat back to us what they got, then we increased our chance that they understood but we still don't know if they've acted. And if they say it back to us, that means we're giving them a chance to teach us what they've learned. So now here's you, and the idea is energy movement, and here's the tool. I invite you to go out among your leaders in the hospital or hospice or nursing home where you're working and use the power of affirmation. Here's how that works. Let's take something as simple as a smile in your demeanor. You go up to the nursing station, and I'm not talking about your smile, although it's always good to figure out how best to use that. I'm talking about what you do when you get to the nursing station. There's a pretty good chance that whether it's for a good reason or whether they're scared, you'll see someone at the nursing station give you a smile when you come up there. There's an opportunity. What's the opportunity? It's to say to her, boy, what a great smile. So you affirm that what happens. Energy changes. She increases her use of that smile, and her smile is a kind of people power. Let me give you other alternatives. You may think of ones better than what I'm saying. A typical thing is to say to staff members, with sincerity, this means you have to believe this is so, say to staff members things like this. Say to them, I'm so grateful for the hard work you're doing. Now, let's say the supervisor comes up later and says, I don't think they are working that hard, and you told them they're working hard. Two things about that. First is, you affirm that energy, you're going to generate more of it. The second thing is, when leaders would tell me that, I would say to them, if there's an energy problem, whose responsibility is that? If you've got an employee that you think I'm encouraging too much because they're not doing well, what are you doing about it? So idea is affirmation. You may think, well, I'm already doing that. If you're already doing it, try a new way. Find a way to sincerely offer compliments. I want to expand on that a little bit more. I try to keep the idea simple because if I don't, I find a lot of people kind of get confused or lose it. Or maybe they're shy about offering affirmation. Maybe they would say, I'm not good at giving compliments. Well, it's important for leaders to be better about that. And the way you can become better is before you go out on that floor, you think to yourself whether you actually respect the work those staff members are doing. If you do, that's what we want to affirm. What's the best kind of affirmation? It's sincere and specific. I'm going to repeat that. It's sincere and it's specific. So sincere is you want to find the person who you think is offering you a pretty good smile and you affirm that specific thing. If you're affirming hard work, you might want to gather a story before you go up to that floor about someone who's done an exceptional job so that you can go up and say to them, not just, I want to thank you for the wonderful way I heard you took care of this particular patient, but you want to pick out the things that made that important. Let's go back to Deidre. After that interview, I was able to go up to her and not just say, thank you, Deidre. I was able to go up to her and say, Deidre, not only do I want to thank you, but you showed compassion so beautifully by the way you told that story. You talked about that individual who came in to the hospital via ambulance, and you talked about how he left his home that morning thinking everything was going to be fine, and suddenly everything changed, and he lands in a bed next to you. That is a specific way of telling me that communicates how much you care. And let me tell you one more thing. I checked with your boss, and she says, you are one of the most competent nurses she's ever seen. Both principles, competence and compassion. I affirmed those things. I checked with the supervisor and she said, I don't know what you said to Deidre, but somehow she's gotten even better. And I said, why do you think I said something? And she said, because you said something to her. And I noticed for the next several days, she was even more positive. She was even more effective. I didn't think she could get better, but she did. Leaders change culture. Leaders impact energy. Leaders are practicing rocket science. They deliver energy. They deliver words. They deliver clear vision in clear language. And the rocket takes off. New patterns are formed. A new culture is shaped. And once it's there, here's some good news. It's hard work to get there. Once it's in place, you still have to nurture it, but it flies almost on its own. That's a goal worth fighting for. That's even better than shooting a rocket that goes around the moon. So remember the idea, the challenge that I'm handing you, it's the idea of going up on the floor with a sincere and specific comment for one or more people up there. Watch their faces. Watch their energy. Even if they don't show much response, the likelihood is they've absorbed that. This is one of your tools. And teach. I'm talking about let them teach you the 90% they're learning. How do they do that? You say to them, I'm not up here like you all the time. Tell me, how do you do your job and stay energized? How do you give loving care? Find the courage to ask that question. How do you give loving care? I've asked that hundreds of times. I've never gotten a bad answer. You might get someone who says, I don't know, but they still heard the question and they're wondering what's going on around here. People are asking me about loving care. We signal values with our questions. And I'm going to close by having you listen once again to the lovely Deidre Hall. You've got nurses in your organization like Deidre. Find them. You ought to be able to find them just by walking down the hall. They may have been waiting for the chance to respond like Deidre did right here. Deidre's special, but she's not unique. You've got nurses like Deidre. Listen to her again. See what you hear. Remember how that was drawn out. Remember how her teaching helped her as well as her patients.
1: The hardest times that I that I have in at, at this job is uh, seeing patients that I know that got up this morning just like I did, took a bath, brushed their teeth, put their clothes on, and everything was fine when they left home. And somewhere in the process during the day, before they could even get home, where they most of the time they don't get back home, they find some kind of dreadful news of some kind of illness that they may have or some automobile accident that they've been in or something which has landed them in our care here at Baptist.
0: Keep in mind that culture determines behavior. You're an energy manager. Culture triggers positive energy or negative energy. You're the leader of that. If things aren't working well on your team, look in the mirror. Start trying something new. Keep using the same thing, you're not going to get different results. You need to break into a new orbit, find the fuel. You can do it. Try this idea, then reflect. Did it work? And then try it again and try it again and try it again and reflect again. And over time, this is one of the tools that will help you move energy in your team. This has been Rocket Science for Leaders, and I'm Erie Chapman, urging and encouraging all of you to live love, not fear. These leadership podcasts are sponsored by the Erie Chapman Foundation. Please visit our website. It's eriechapmanfoundation.net. When you go to the site, you'll find information there and a chance to contribute. Please do if you can. Help support Radical Loving Care.